Okay. Meeting of the uh, June 24th, 2008 Tax Cap Commission will come to order. I'll have uh, tomorrow at issue be our uh, Commission Secretary sitting in for Executive Director Jordana Thigpen, who is away tonight, so tomorrow. First order of business is the cell phone admonishment, which reads as follows. The ringing of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing devices are prohibit prohibited at the meeting. Please be advised that any person responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device might be removed from the meeting. Please be aware that cell phones are set on vibrate, cause microphone interference, and so respectfully we request that they be placed on the off position. Thank you. Line item one, call to order, roll call. President Gillespie? Here. Vice President Breslin? Present. Commissioner Annetto? Here. Commissioner Slaughter? Here. Commissioner Saval? Here. Commissioner Benjamin? Here. We have a quorum. Line item two, Commissioner Announcements? Thank you. And uh, for we go to Commissioner Announcements, so we're going to have uh, Sergeant uh, Reynolds from the Police Department give the Police Department report. There's uh, a few items tonight, so welcome, Sergeant. Good evening, commissioners, guests. Uh, the last two weeks have been a rather busy one. Uh, first of all, on the um, 12th of June, we had a meeting with UTW uh, at their request, and it was a very, very beneficial meeting. We learned, Jordana Thickpin and I learned a lot with regards to the concerns and issues that a lot of the drivers have. Um, we came up with some new ideas and some new strategies, and I'm happy to report that after that meeting, uh, the following day, I got calls from two different drivers that had problems at two different hotels regarding limousines. I was able to make a phone call to both of those hotels, and the problems were adjudicated, and both doormen were counseled, and uh, the issues with the limousines parking in the property have stopped. So we're going to continue this program of having drivers notify me of problems that they're having at the hotels, and then we are going to handle it administratively with the hotels that so far have been very cooperative in dealing with these issues. Um, the next issue that came up on 61708, uh, Officer Malcolm Fong, who has been a marvelous asset to me, who has been regulating uh, taxis and um, pirate cabs in the uh, Richmond and Park areas, made a traffic stop on a taxi cab and discovered that, uh, in fact, the driver did not have uh, an A card in his possession, did not have a badge, did not have um, identification, and in fact, in digging deeper, found out that he had a revoked driver's license for a DUI conviction within the year. He lied to the police officer and gave a corporate ID of another member and said that that's who he was with the instructions of his supervisor to do that. The end result is he was arrested for a number of violations the medallion has been seized and suspended by me, and right now there is both a criminal and an administrative investigation going on as to why this person was driving a cab. We do not know whether there's insurance involved. We do not know where they are colors change, or scheme changing. So there are a lot of questions that have to be answered. 
and as of this date, I have not yet heard from the, uh, the officially from the individuals that um, are caring for that medallion. I did get a call this, this afternoon from their attorney, and we are now working to try to get information regarding this incident. Sergeant, yes. a couple questions. Um, was it a pre-K or post-K medallion? It is a corporate medallion. Um, which color scheme was the, was the uh, driver driving? Um, at this particular point, I would rather not go into that. Um, if, you, if you want to know, I will tell you. But again, um, I have not even spoken to people in the industry, and until I get more information, I would really like to leave it at this, this point. All right, but I, I, that's fair enough for now, but at our next meeting, I would like to have some follow-up on that and see, you know, as your investigation progresses, and um, I don't think we should be shy once we figure out um, uh, what's going on, making sure that people know it. I, I have your same concerns and same fears. As I said, I do not want anybody operating a, a cab on the street that does not have a license and is, is, is involved in fraudulently operating that vehicle. Um, we also discovered, and again, this came indirectly from the uh, meeting that we had with UTW, that, and this may not be a surprise to the industry, but we are having a major problem with the taxi zones in San Francisco. We have discovered that the, I believe it's a 200 block of Gary, um, the major retail store has leased out the taxi zone to a um, tour bus company, um, and they are issuing and they are having citations issued to driver, cab drivers for parking in the in the uh, cab zone. So we have sent a letter to uh, that company, and also we are starting to enforce that taxi zone to keep all the tour buses out, and we're doing an investigation with PUC to make sure that these tour buses are licensed and are doing the proper. Um, things. We've also discovered that several officers have issued citations um, for white zones that cabs are in a taxi zone. And the code is very clear that um, as long as they are active waiting for a fare, they can park in a white zone for as long as they want, as long as it's designated as a taxi zone. So we are also working on that. Sergeant, can I go back to the Geary? Is that the one in front of Macy's? That is correct, sir. Okay. That's a great taxi zone. We can't let that disappear no. with the tour buses. No. And uh, finally, the last thing I'd like to talk about, something that has been brought up numerous times, is um, our investigations on criminal backgrounds on drivers. Apparently, the Department of Justice has rules and procedures with regards to what we can and cannot do with regards to these backgrounds. And actually, it makes it a crime if we do certain things. Um, I've provided to you a copy of the current letter that the Taxi Commission sends to uh, drivers and or um, new medallion holders. This letter does not comply with the law. It's going to have to be changed. And um, we're going to have to sit down and try to figure out ways that the language will be in compliance with state law. So you and Mr. Owen and the legal minds are going to get on this immediately and report back to us as to our response to this information that we've just learned that should be yes. made clear. That is correct. I've already talked to Mr. Owen about it. Um, my, our attorney will probably be calling him in the next day or two to see we can't work. We have some ideas on what we can do that, that will 
meet with the criteria of the law. We also discovered in going through this process why we have not been getting some of the older returns back, and that is because our, our email address conflicts with what the state of California has, and if there's any conflict at all, they will not send any records. So what we have done is we have resubmitted 100 applications that we knew had not been, um, have, have been hanging for the last six months, and we're hoping to get those cleared in the next couple of weeks. So we think we figured out why we were having problems with them. Thank you, Sergeant. So that includes my, uh, concludes my uh, presentation this evening. Are there any questions? Any questions? Okay, thank you. Are there any other commissioner announcements? Mr. Breslin? Just one quick one. Um, many of the hotels have gone through different name changes, and so as they do, I, I think I should probably just announce them. So right now, the Cartwright, which is located on Sutter Street near Union Square, is now called the Larkspur Hotel Union Square. So it's been the Cartwright for ages. Just note that it's a new name if you get a call. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, I'll take public comment on the uh, commissioner announcements and staff report if there is any. Is there anyone? Just for one minute. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. I just wanted Commissioners to note that the Board of Permit Appeals, um, basically, they are very upset that we don't have a disability pro program and Mr. Freeman is going to be allowed to keep his medallion with certain conditions and which will be agreed between the Commission Office and with his attorney. But the basic condition is that he mustn't drive his medallion. Please note, anybody with disabilities must go to the Commission and file a disability, and then you don't have to drive. Okay, well, this is not an appropriate time for those comments in terms of this public comment period, nor is that the legal position of the Commission or the law, but it is your opinion. So, next speaker. Okay. Is there any other public comment on this agenda item? Seeing none, this item is closed. Next item. Line item three, public comment. Okay. Um, can I see a show of hands of who wants to speak under general public comment tonight? One, two, just put your hand up. Okay. Two minutes. Thank you. Just come on and line up, and we'll just do it that way. Thank you. First speaker. <laughs> Don't be shy. I know Marty's not shy. <laughs> please. And the next speaker, please be ready to speak so we don't have uh, everyone walking down the red carpet. Commissioners, uh, what I'd like to talk about in public comments is we're not talking about uh, I didn't see it anywhere about workers' comp in the, in the papers, but uh, I'd like to uh, has some uh, paperwork up about the definition of a worker's comp. This is a human rights employment law, if every commissioner can get one. And this is the uh, independent contractor's uh, IRS common law. 
definition for an independent contractor. So I'm hoping that somewhere along the line we can bring forward the meeting about workers' comp and industrial accidents that is better suited for cab drivers than the workers' comp because the medallion holder, if he drives like myself, I'm not covered under workers' comp. And industrial accident covers everybody. And plus there is a little $5,000 health care policy that goes along with industrial accident. So I hope we bring this forward. Thank you. Thank you. Union Commissioners, my name is Bill Manzi, taxi driver, San Francisco. There's a couple of things I want to bring up. One, the first one is about these brokers, these people who are controlling medallions. Something ought to be done about this. This is a very, very soft, bad spot with me. I've heard that these brokers lease out the medallions to drivers for above the rate of the gates that night or on a monthly or bimonthly situation where they pay more than they do for gates that are allowed. And that to me is wrong. So somebody ought to do something about these people. They've got lots of medallions and they're controlling the gates and making more money off the gates. That's why they can give $3,000 to a medallion holder and there's no way you can do that under normal situations. So they get more money per gate than they should. So something should be done about that. Also, I think it really is time. I'm one of those people who is against meter rate rises. But it's time to do something. The gas has tripled now. It has to be done soon. We're now paying. It's now costing me $180 to go out one night. That's a lot of money. And that's a lot more money than I used to pay, and I'm making a lot less money. So in order for you to do something for cab drivers, there never, ever seems to be anything done for cab drivers. The drop on the gate, I don't believe the fares should go up, but the drop should go up so we can make a little more money to help with gas. Thank you. Thank you. I have a basic question. I was led to believe you will not be discussing 6 tonight. Is that correct or not? Because I can comment on 6 if you are not going to discuss it, but if you are, then. It is going to be discussed, and there will be public comment. Okay. It's not being removed from the agenda. It's not being continued. Okay. Something that the Medallion Holders Association is very concerned about, and that is there's this whole suggestion about what you can do and what you can't do with medallions. And it is our understanding of the law that the city of San Francisco entrusts the medallions to individuals, and it appears to be that the taxi commission is proposing in certain ways to prohibit us from doing that. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
from operating the medallions freely except through other companies, not color schemes, but companies. And I would suggest that you all have a real big think about it because this will end up in the Supreme Court because you are basically giving with that one hand and you are taking with another. You cannot do this. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, um, I've already mentioned this to uh, a couple of the commissioners. I just want to make sure I express it to everyone and to uh, Mr. Owen, and that has to do with the daily ma legislation that was passed. And uh, I know there's, I mentioned this the last time I was here too, and I think there was something that Mr. Owen was working on to, uh, to help the commission to get something calendared, to get uh, you know, the verbiage straight so we can bring some of these people back that were affected uh, by the changes in daily ma. So I just like to stand up here as a reminder uh, that hopefully that's something that can move forward uh, fairly soon. And uh, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Naim Malik. Can you speak uh, into the microphone? Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Naim Malik, a cab driver for 19 and a half years in San Francisco. I am asking you to ask the Board of Supervisors to roll back the $5 gate fee increase on all caps and decrease $5 more and bring down the gate fee cap to $86.50 instead of $96.50. Not on the temporary basis, but on the permanent basis. In my opinion, even $86.50 is a very high gate fee. Commissioners, since we are paying a very high gate fee, as you know, the gas prices keep going up, and it seems like it's not going to stop soon. If the cab company does the following in a timely fashion, which are, number one, do the tune-up, number two, change the air filter, number three, clean the fuel injector, and keep the tire air pressure at all times as recommended by the manufacturer of the car. Commissioner, uh, and then, uh, then, they will, uh, then they will increase the gas uh, consumption definitely, but unfortunately they don't want to do it because it costs money. Right now we are getting 7 to 18 miles a gallon depending on the car, so drivers should get at least average 25 miles a gallon. My suggestion is to require the cab company to pay the 50% of the gas at least. The people of San Francisco don't want to pay the meter increase and, and the gas surcharge because San Francisco taxi care is already very expensive. Commissioners, I refuse to take the unfair, abusive and disrespectful behavior from the taxi cab management. It is sad we don't have unity among drivers. That's the reason why the cab company management and others are getting away with this. I appeal to Thank all drivers. Thank you. If you let me finish. No, sorry. Thank you. Next speaker, Warren, public comment. <clears throat> Good evening, Commissioners. Tarek Mahmood. First question starts, your taxi commission. We got drivers of Chinese descent, Indian descent, 
lot of color people, majority right now maybe in the industry. Why don't we have in the taxi commission some Indian or Chinese commissioners? Why it's all whites? Because there are issues which I notice that if a white do the violation, this group work in such a way they find the language, the tricks, and they let it go. If an Indian or a Middle Eastern or Asian or African comes in their hand, they slaughter them very quickly. I do have an objection. I want it. I will, I'm sending an email to mayor to put somebody else in this commission also, number one. Number two, the gas has gone across the rockets. We are paying $25 out of our pocket every day. For 30 days, if somebody is working, he's paying $750 a month. All these papers you make it, these agenda, these items, they are wastage of time. Drivers are losing $750 a month from their pocket per shift. Why that issue is not important? It's the most, most top important issue. Controller cannot make report. That cannot be done. This cannot be done. No, that's not the thing. Commission should have sent an immediate letter requesting it's super emergency. It's most important. We do have issues with the limos also, but this issue has gone above everything. And the meeting after meeting, months after months, delayed and delayed and delayed. The business is coming a little bit down with the situation in the economy. And on top of that, we are still not getting this meter and keys. We need it right away, very quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Oh, I would like to, uh, I want to address something that uh, was in this recent issue of um, this UTW newsletter. I, it, it's on page five. It's about paragraph 10. Um, it says, personally, I listened to Dr. Martin Luther King, who warned against violence. But if the Board of Supervisors and other regulatory agencies, that would be you, uh, continue to ride roughshod over la la taxi labor, bad things could happen. So I don't know, is it just, is it just me or uh, do any of you identify this as kind of a threat? If you don't vote the way we want you to, something bad could happen. Uh, is this sort of giving inspiration to others? I mean, look how everybody came down on Senator Clinton for merely mentioning, the, you know, Robert Kennedy and the fact that he was assassinated in June. Um, at any rate, I mean, even if it was not ill-intentioned, I think publishing something like this shows extremely, uh, it shows bad judgment. And I want to remind you that this is a group of people, eight or nine people, who claim to represent drivers. And I want you to know, and the Board of Supervisors know, that statements like this, they do not represent how drivers feel or think. Okay? And I would suggest that the director take these statements seriously as well, but uh, because they recommended her for a job at MTA on the same page, perhaps she won't. Um, also, the uh, limos. I understand there was a meeting a few weeks ago, and that was held at UTW headquarters. Now there's people like me, uh, Tariq, people on Tariq's team. Uh, we're not going to set foot at UTW, and this is an important issue to a lot of drivers, and I know that a lot of drivers feel the way I do. They don't want to be represented by UTW, so they did not attend this, and it's a very important issue. So if this, uh, if for future meetings, I, I, I wish they could be held on, on neutral ground so we could all attend and have a voice in this. And... Uh, 
Plates. Why, why don't the limos have license plates? I don't know why the cops can't stop a car without plates. It's ridiculous. Thank you. And just, just for the record, the limo meeting at UTW wasn't organized by the taxi commission. As I understand it, it was organized by the UTW. So. I would ask now, but if there are future meetings, they can. Right. And we, we try to keep all officially scheduled meetings from the taxi commission in a public place or something that's accessible to everybody and neutral. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Mark Ruberg. And I want to point out that, as I have heard, Yellow has posted a notice at the garage to the effect that they're going to be going back to a version of the scheme that they tried to implant last year where drivers had to pay their shifts for the month in advance. And this is a variation on that same scheme, which I believe, as was reported to me, the notice said that the shifts would have to be paid up by August 15th, presumably for the following month. And it didn't work for them the last time. Maybe they think that something is different now. I think this is extremely serious for a driver to have to shell out in advance $1,000, $2,000, who knows how much. So paying in advance all their gates for the month, it's terribly oppressive and exploitive. And the reason that they give for this, they tossed out all of the excuses that they were using last year. And now it has something to do with if you want to maintain, we have to do this so we can maintain your status as a self-employed person. And the irony of this is immense because what they're saying is we have to do this so we can keep you as a self-employed person so we can exploit you by doing things like this. It's crazy. It's hurtful. It doesn't make any – the reasoning behind it doesn't make any sense. This commission needs to hold a hearing on this as soon as possible, find out what's going on, why they're doing it, and hopefully take some action to stop this from happening. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak on public comment? Okay. Thank you. Seeing none, public comment is closed. May I have a question on something on public comment? The issue of the Daily Ma amended legislation, what do we need to do in order to be able to rehear or to have people come before us under this new legislation? I'm going to go to Mr. Owen, but I think we just have to draft the legislation that would enable us to rehear a case that has already been decided as a result of legislation that's been passed in between then and now. That's correct. I've been working on some procedures, which I'll get to the commission, and if the commission adopts them, then they can start hearing cases based on those procedures. And can you give us a sense of would that be ready for our next meeting in July, would you think? It might be, yes. Okay. It might be. Thank you. Okay. I've got a draft done already. I'm that close. Okay. And then once the draft comes forward, if we approve it at that meeting, I don't know if there is a way to 
start noticing the people for the first available dates like to start a list can you do that before the the resolution is adopted because we need to we need to get I think it's a relatively small number of people that are being affected and I think we know all of whom all who they are and I think a lot of the paperwork has already been done so I'm gonna have Jordana when she gets back you know look immediately into that so that we can get this wrapped up in July right because my 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 question was more um, do they need to be noticed and if so let's just go ahead and notice them if we already know who they are for the date the resolution comes forward I think I I wouldn't get quite that far ahead of the process so we'll, we'll, we'll try to get this legislation passed and then get the noticing and everything in place so that this happens relatively quickly. Okay, uh, next item. Line item four, consent calendar. This is an action item. All matters listed here under constitute a consent calendar are considered to be routine by the commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission so requests in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. Okay, and just for everyone's information, item A6 is being continued to the first meeting in July, and I need to recuse myself on A5, and Commissioner Benjamin on A2 and 3. And I would actually like to take um, A3 separate. A3? Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to sever A3? Yeah. Okay, and Commissioner Benjamin also needs to recuse on B3. And President? Yes. How about all of B? Because, uh, and only for the reason that what we've done in the past is approve these pending the results of the background checks, so, so we need to put that in there too, so. In, in light of what Sergeant Reynolds told us tonight, is that it's, what you're? It's still, as I understand it, we're not privy to the information in it, but it's still a pass or fail mm-hmm. that we are privy to. So I think we still need to do that in light of what we've done in the past. So your request is to sever all of Section B? Right, so we can add in that they need, they can be approved pending the approval of the, the investigation. But haven't we generally said that when we're voting? Since you've been on, we didn't do that okay. before. We've been doing that for a while now, so I, I just. So you're saying vote on on the entirety of Section B, separate separate from Section A, so we can add that. Right. That, does that make sense? But yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take public comment on the whole consent calendar. Does anyone like to speak on this tonight? On the consent calendar. Seeing none. Public comment is closed. Oh, sorry, Jane. Okay. Okay. Just under the gun. Okay. I, I'm very sorry. Uh, I, there was a, another transfer uh, who had a, under his uh, color scheme request change, uh, had also said some defama- something defamatory about uh, uh, DeSoto and uh, I want to thank him for changing it. I understand it wasn't done in time to be part of the uh, 
the papers that you put out, but uh, I understand it was changed, and I do thank him for that, the, uh, Mr. Gray. Okay? Right. It's thank been you redacted very much. and and and, and also uh, 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 Mr. Johansson and uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Rojo uh, uh, for for their changes, and and we are at peace. Thank you. Very good. Yes, that was the reason that I had uh, Theodore Gray severed. Um, okay. If this isn't the appropriate time to comment on it, I'll do it at the time of our votes. Or, or I can comment right now. Yeah, go ahead. Right. I, I am tired of seeing unfounded accusations on these applications. And this isn't the first time it's happened, and I don't want to see it anymore. And I would like to know if Theodore Gray is here because now that I hear he withdrew them, I guess I don't need to have him elaborate on them. But I just want to let people know that I will vote no on any application that comes before me that has um, accusations that are unfounded and that are not cleared by the staff. Okay. Okay. And just to clarify, though, these, these are the applications of the person themselves, and, and at, our staff doesn't really censor them in any way. They, they submit what they submit. And I'll return it to staff to, to investigate any accusations that are on an application to see whether or not they are founded. This is not the proper place. This is an official document. Right. It's not the proper place to be pointing fingers at people. Right. Thank you. And I just was trying to clarify that I our think staff... we have a, a, a question here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um... Let's see. So let's take the votes on A. Oh, okay. Pubcom, I, I, I did close it, but I'll reopen it. Okay, I'm sorry. I guess I didn't. I looked around, but I... Okay. No, I just... And uh, actually, um, something that I like to do, it's, you know, I always have, you know, good comments come up here. And uh, I noticed uh, a medallion recipient uh, coming up... Uh, on item B2, uh, Vincent Majeski, and uh, just someone that I've known for a long time uh, in my time at DeSoto Cab and uh, know him to be uh, a good conscientious driver, a dispatcher, and uh, did a lot of things there and functioned, done things well for years at, at DeSoto Cab, and so I just like to, uh, I think people like that need to be acknowledged uh, and uh, like to do that. Thank you. Okay, thank you. You didn't use your full minute if you'd like to have the final 30 seconds. I'm being extremely liberal here tonight. I so apologize. Thank you, Jim, for reminding me that we have Vinny Majeski, who's going to be a medan holder at DeSoto. Vinny, I, I so apologize for not making note of that. Um, Everything that Jim said, I, I hardly endorse. I am so grateful that he's decided to stay at DeSoto. I know he's going to be a tremendous asset for us as a medallion holder. So thank you, Vinny. All right. Anyone else? No? Please, one minute. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Bashir Rahimi. I'm one of those uh, DeSoto cab drivers. DeSoto is one of the base cab company in the northern the San Francisco in the world. We have the excellent service, but commissioners, uh, we need to, you are our commissioners, all the time we have our problems, please be in our sides, you know, uh, rather to be on the staff sides or the other people's sides, 
because we – Sorry, does this have anything to do with the consent calendar? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Slaughter. Everyone needs to keep that in mind. Public comment is for only those items that we're speaking about at that moment. Marty. Commissioners, again, I just want to mention one person here getting his medallion tonight. I think it's Anatoly Sharin. This is one guy that came a long, long way and drove many, many years in San Francisco. This guy really deserves this medallion. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We'll get around to this now. Consent calendar items, everything except – well, let's just take it. Yeah, I think A1 – no, because Commissioner Benjamin has to recuse on 2 and 3. So items A1 and A4, motion. Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Okay. Item A1. We have a motion? Motion. Second. All in favor? Motion passes. A2 and 3 without Commissioner Benjamin. Motion? Motion. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Motion passes. Commissioner Breslin, 4, 5, 6. Ah, yes. 6 has been continued. Continued, 4 and 5. A4 and 5, motion to approve. So moved. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. So goes. Okay. Section B, 1, 2, 4, and 5. Is there a motion? Motion to approve pending the results of the background check. Pending the results of the background check. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Motion passes. Now, wait, one more. Item B3. Item B3 without Commissioner Benjamin. Motion to approve pending the results of the background check. Second. All in favor? Aye. Thank you. Congratulations, everyone. Okay. Next item. Item 5, consideration of Clean Air Taxi Program. Proposed amendments to Rule 4A6 and Sections 5D and 5G. Proposed deletion of Rules 4A8, 5B1, 5B3, and 5B8 of the Rules and Regulations. Proposed penalties. This is an action item. Thank you. Commissioners, this is some language we needed to put into place to get the Clean Air Taxi Program into place, and we were looking at some of these sections and made a few other small changes. So I'm going to just go over briefly what some of the changes are in this section. And, Commissioner Breslin, if you want to follow up as the Chair of the Rules Committee, I'll let you do that. But I'm just going to reiterate what Jordana would probably do if she was here. So the first point that's in the resolution is to allow a spare to reenter the fleet. That was not true before. I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you going through all the changes from last time, or are you going through the entire proposed legislation? I think just the main points, four or five of the main points, so people understand what's in here. We did make some changes, and I'm going to especially reiterate those that were discussed in a different form before. Spares only have to be notified if they can be down for more than 72 hours. There's a violation section added to the spare portion. 
the vehicle introduction form is the one thing I want to really emphasize because that's how we're going to implement our clean taxi legislation. Uh, if you're going to introduce a cab into the fleet or take a cab out of service, there's going to be a vehicle introduction form that's going to be one of the four forms that will be required during the first prior inspection of a vehicle. So this really allows us to uh, have the staff do our calculations on greenhouse gas emissions and make sure that we're on target for following out the uh, intent of that legislation. Um, vehicle age, we're phasing in a new uh, five-year rule for the length of lifetime of vehicles, but those vehicles that are already in place will not be affected. So uh, when you look at the details of this, this is things are going to kick in in 2010 and 2011. Salvage vehicles will be allowed, but there's going to be a higher standard of inspection um, because we know that there's a wide variety of things that could cause some vehicle to be called a salvage vehicle, and uh, we don't want to completely eliminate that, but there will be an enhanced uh, inspection done in coordination with the GTU. So those are some of the things that I wanted to highlight. Um, Commissioner Breslin, if there's anything you want to highlight that's in here or any other comments from commissioners before we go to public comment. I'll yield to the others that you've, you've covered them well. Okay. Are we going to be discussing this after public comment? Uh, if you want to bring raise questions now, you can maybe raise the questions so the public knows what your concern might be. Or Well, my concern mainly is the penalty phases. Yeah. You know, I'm having a, a real issue setting up two sets of penalties for the same violation without establishing a criteria for why you would give either one. You know, I think we should just come up with one set of one set of penalties for each violation, and and I think that'll keep us from having a lot of hearings and discussions. And you know, I, I think it's fair for the, the the color schemes because they know exactly what's going to happen to them if they don't comply. So I want to discuss. I want. I'm going to be wanting to discuss all the penalties and establishing one for that. You know, as far as this penalty resolution, this one is not time critical that we get this done by July 1st. And Jordana really did draft this. And so if there are kind of specific questions about, you know, how this penalty is phase is implemented, we could continue this section to allow her to answer those questions. Well, it's not the critical thing that we need to get past tonight for the July 1st legislation to take place. Well, either or, but, uh, you know, whether... Jordan is here or not, I think we shall, still should discuss it because then when she is here, we can put it forward. Mm -hmm. you know, and bring I'm actually out. in favor of discussing the penalty okay. phase too because I, I tend to agree with you uh, that, that we need to have a direct penalty um, related to whatever the violation is. When you say I, a direct penalty, what? To, to come down to, to a specific penalty. And there are some that I favor over others on the penalty phase mm -hmm. that I think are more appropriate. Mm -hmm. I think it's worthwhile to have the discussion tonight, but I, I, I tend to think that we're probably, we'll see how it goes, but I tend to think we're probably not ready to vote on the penalty stuff because I have the same yeah. concerns as Commissioner Neto here that, um, that um, there's a lot here, and I'm not quite sure this is the structure that we'd want to um, use I think that they're significant and tremendously important that we get the penalty side right. And um, if there's not a time pressure on it, I'd prefer to let us discuss <coughs> it tonight and then discuss it again 
you know, give us some time to think about discussing when Jordan is back. But, you know, I would be in all likelihood against voting to impose the penalty structure without. But we can vote for the first half through the chair without the second. Yeah, it's the second one chronologically here. Or no, it's the first. Yeah, the first one. No, the penalty page is the first one that's in the package. And then the actual implementation, some of the other, the clean taxi stuff is in the second resolution. So that's how I feel, too, Commissioner Slaughter, that we can discuss it tonight and really get it right. And if there's questions, Mr. Hahn. I just wanted to point out that some of these penalties will require action by the Board of Supervisors. So there's that additional time to be built into the process. And I feel the need to comment right now that if we do our job right on this legislation and get these vehicle inspection forms and the commission staff does its work in evaluating the greenhouse gas averages for all the fleets, there shouldn't be any penalties. It's really designed to not fail because people are going to have to tell us before they put the vehicle into service which vehicle is going into service, and we're going to have to approve it. So we need to have that penalty in there in case something goes wrong. But the way we've set it up is that there shouldn't be too much. I concur with you. I hope we don't collect a nickel. But still, if we're going to have penalties for violations, then let's do it the right way, I think. Okay. Do we need to have further discussion then tonight on this, or should we just agree to continue this section? I have some ideas on what I think the standards should be set at. And then we discuss it, and then it's going to come up when everyone hopefully will think about it a little bit, and then we'll come up with a vote on who wants to do what. Okay. If you'd like to briefly say now what your thoughts are, this would be an appropriate time probably. Well, okay. Mine is on the first violation, I prefer all of 1A only. And the reason I like that one is if this is a color scheme that hasn't come up to the standard, the best way to get a company's attention is to hit them in the pocketbook. And taking away airport privileges I have a little bit of a problem with because now we're talking service. And, you know, I don't know if taking that away is really enough of a penalty to get their attention. And then the service issue. On the second offense, if you notice, the fines have gone up in 2A, but the cap didn't go up. So it's still limited to the first. So my idea is to make the monetary penalty the same as the first violation, but add in that they cannot receive color scheme transfers or new medallions for six months. And the reason I went from a year to six months is they have to go back in to get cleared for another re-inspection in six months. So should they pass that, then there's no need to penalize them any further because now they're in compliance. Now going into my progressive discipline, like I know in the union, 
Okay, you've given them one warning, a little slap on the hand, then you give them a little slap upside the head. The last one, 3A, the third penalty, I think all should be just 3B. I think that if there's any company out there considering how hard our staff is working to help them comply and they're just busting their hump, and if these companies fail three times in one year, that's where they have to be at to get to here, I think that we should consider that if they can't manage their business to do that, how good a company are they to service our community? So I think that just that we should revoke the, or yeah, we should revoke their color schemes and allow those medallions to be absorbed by better run companies. That's my opinion. Okay. A question to the commissioner through the chair after the attorney is finished. I'm sorry. Is there any scenario that you can think of that somebody could have three infractions within the year that would not be conscious infractions? I'm just trying to go through all the scenarios. No, because they would be, all their vehicles are going to be inspected. That first time they're going to be told which vehicles are out of compliance. It's real simple. Okay, this vehicle is wrong, this vehicle is right, switch to the right vehicle. And they're going to be told by staff which vehicles those are. So I don't see how they cannot be informed on which vehicles are out of compliance. Okay. Anyone else? Commissioner Small? Well, I was just a little unclear about what you had said for the first violation. You didn't like the financial penalties? No, I did. That's the one I do like is just the financial. But not the airport. Not the airport. Okay. Anyone else would like to maybe ask questions before we actually deliberate after public comment? Is everyone clear on what the changes are in the spares and the inspection section? I think those are things we've discussed several times here. Seeing no other questions or comments, we're going to come back to deliberations afterwards, but I'll go to public comment now. So I'll take public comment for actually three minutes on this agenda item tonight. If there is anyone. Charles? Good evening, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone on behalf of Luxor Cab. I think Commissioner Onetto's suggestions make a lot of sense to me. There's one thing that I would want to either clear up or get me cleared up, is that the clean air requirement is not on specific vehicles. It is on the total color scheme. So you could actually have a situation where every one of the fleet's cabs are passing inspection, and yet the fleet get out of compliance with the annual tonnage that it has. So I can see that somebody could inadvertently slip into a situation where they thought, oh, my gosh, we're all squared away, and then it turns out that they're not squared away, that their numbers are off. So 
generally, I think it's, it is important to have substantive, substantive fines regarding the clean air thing. Otherwise, you're going to have a situation like happened with the workers' comp where you get to the 10-year mark and people are still out of compliance because there's really no teeth involved. This is a very toothy proposal. I would just hope that the commission reserve for itself a certain amount of discretion to recognize the difference between a really substantive, deliberate noncompliance and something that is more marginal or whether it could be a credible explanation as to why a company underestimated where its tonnage would actually be. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just follow up on saying that the plan for this whole program is to go light on the fines and penalties and heavy on the cooperation and working with companies and making sure that everybody knows what the goals are and working toward achieving them. So that's my commitment, and I know it's a commitment of the staff, too. So it's a formality putting these fines and penalties into place, but we want people to understand that we're here to do everything we can to make people comply with the goals and to help you comply. And the way it's structured, like I say, hopefully we won't give approval to any vehicle being put into service that will put a company out of compliance. So please, next speaker. Commissioners, Martin Smith again. For Delta Cab, I'm hoping the penalty, there's more or less of a grace period for at least one year for penalties, which should, after July 1st of next week, they can't put anything else into the fleet except for a clean air vehicle. Well, I'll just pause for a second. Just to clarify, again, as Charles mentioned, this is a fleet average. So as long as you're averaging out everything you put in the fleet from the year starting July 1st, 2008 to July 1st, 2009, as long as your fleet average meets our greenhouse gas emission goals, then you're okay. Well, that's why we had the application for the tax commission to look these over before they get here. Because if we, by 2011, everybody has to be in compliance all the way through. Right. And that will save it for our grandchildren, the clean air. So I'm just hoping that there is a grace period because these are all new things coming up now, and it's going to take a little bit for people to get used to them. And so I think that giving kind of a grace period will help this out. Now, one thing I'm not sure about is, say, a Crown Vic gas gets in a wreck. Can he replace that with a Crown Vic? He has to come in with a clean air vehicle. Say if his average, fleet average, doesn't average out. You mean if it was a vehicle placed into service before July 1st, 2008? Because that vehicle does not get averaged in. Only vehicles that get placed into service starting July 1st, starting next week. I understand that. But if I wreck my Crown Vic? If you wreck a vehicle that's already in service, like now, can he replace that vehicle with the same vehicle? Yes. That's a good question. Off the top of my head, I would say yes. Off the top of my head, I would say yes. But I'm going to have to look into that. Commissioner Romero? Off the top of my head, I'd say no. Well, I'm going to look into this. We're going to think about this because that's the first time this question has been raised. Strictly speaking, the vehicle, if it was approved as a certain type of vehicle now, and it's not 
ready to be replaced? I, you know, that's a good question. I have to think about this. We will think about this, too. And we're going to get that together. Sorry. <laughs> it's always good to be challenged. Thank you. <clears throat> Commissioners, let me say, first of all, that I support the Clean Air Vehicle Program. Uh, but that said, I see several problems with the with the way we're proceeding right now. I think, I think we're moving too quickly on the penalty phase and also on some of these particular re regulations. Uh, in regards to the uh, reduction in the time year regulation from eight years to five years, I would ask the commissioners to consider the situation where a person is, purchases a brand new vehicle and say uh, a brand new hybrid vehicle, which is an expensive car and he's gonna be driving it himself. So he's not going to be putting 80 or 90,000 miles a year on that car. He may only be putting 30 or 40,000. And you're telling him at the end of five years he'd have to retire that car when maybe he only had 150,000 miles on it. And it's going to be pretty hard for him. It's going to be much harder for him to justify making that decision. And there's really no good reason why he should have to retire the car. So I'm not sure where the eight-year reduction requirement came in or who, what, what people were thinking about. I wasn't a party to those discussions, but I, I think that that's one situation that you might want to consider. I, I don't particularly see any problem with the eight-year rule or the fact that we've got a mileage requirement. And, and, um, and anyway, uh, that's, that's one area I think you should look at. In terms of the penalty phase, I think we have to be very careful here. We have to be serious about converting the taxi cabs to clean air vehicles. Um, but one of the things I'm encountering is the fact that the demand for hybrid vehicles has skyrocketed. There, it's becoming difficult to acquire some of these vehicles. Certain commitments that I've made, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to fulfill, not because I don't want to purchase the vehicles, but simply because they may not be available. There are issues as to whether or not uh, I can shift, for example, on, on grant funding from one type of vehicle to another type of vehicle. Um, I think that uh, we need to look at a, at a company's overall program and give them and see as they move forward, particularly in this first year, perhaps to give them an opportunity to show how things are progressing and what kind of efforts they're making, because really it's a matter of getting them to the, the goal at the end. I mean, obviously, if a company isn't moving forward, then we have to take steps. But uh, I think that we have to look at these penalties very carefully. I also am very uncomfortable with the variability in some of these penalties. Not to exceed this amount, but the initial amount is going to be at least this much. Um, I, I don't know that I like the fact that there is so much discretion involved in this and if that's going to lead to unfairness. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. And just on the availability of vehicles issue, I'm aware of that issue. You and I talked about this issue and we're reaching out to Ford, Toyota, Nissan. There's people in the city government in the purchasing department, uh, Wade Crowfoot from the mayor's office. We're all sort of working on this issue. And, you know, we're up against history, the, the, the oil prices right now and the trend toward hybrid cars. And, and we're just we're a little ahead of the curve, but we're, we're definitely working on this. So thanks. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, first of all, I would like to compliment uh, Commissioner Oneto, it is stupid for you to punish the general public by taking away cabs serving the airport. It doesn't serve any purpose. You're taking away cabs 
that are taking a fare to the airport and you're saying, oh, because the company did something, so the cab driver is going to lose money and your public is going to be standing at the airport waiting for a cab that isn't there. Stupid. Don't put penalties on the public for something they don't have any control on. Second, quite frankly, I don't think you should have any penalties for the first year because this clean air thing has been done six months or a year or two years too late in order to get online correctly. For instance, today I spoke to Mr. Weiner and said I would like a replacement for my CNG cab and he says, well, we've got them on order for, from Ford, but Ford no longer manufacture CNG Crown Victorias. And they are outsourced after they come off the production line. And we're hoping to have the batch in by November. So you're going to have a situation, and we're just talking about the CNGs, we're not talking about the Priuses that are flying out of the showroom windows so fast that in some places you have to order them weeks or months in advance. You're not taking this into consideration at all. The third thing you're not doing really fairly is this whole thing. You haven't really talked about the spare situation. In the first two years, spares are usually the vehicle that has already been running and the third year it's turned into a spare. So almost certainly in most fleets, most of the time, the spare vehicle is going to be a non-compliant vehicle. However, we have a situation, we have a Ford Escape that's been at S&H Fords for a month now, at 40,000 miles. They don't really know why none of the sensors work. And you haven't started your program yet. This is absurd. If you want to do penalties, have an independent arbitrator Thank you. to judge these penalties. Thank you. Because we do not trust the taxi commission Thank you, Robert. Staff. Thank you. I'm not going to yell at you. <laughs> um, it sounds like you're doing this not just because this is very important to you as well as to the other commissioners, but because there's pressure from uh, higher governmental authorities. And I'm wondering then, once you pass these, how well are we, you and we, going to be able to work with these higher authorities to tweak this? Because it seems that, that uh, this being a new program, there's going to have to be a lot of adjusting for it to be successful. And I'm hopeful that uh, the Commission uh, will have some sort of a, a body, uh, perhaps a, 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 an ongoing uh, committee or subcommittee that can work with us on the problems because we, we are all motivated. This is not something that, that you simply have to impose on us. 
uh, we're certainly getting pressure from our drivers, pressure from our medallion holders. They want this. Uh, we, we all want this, uh, uh, if only as citizens. So we want to make this work. Um, uh, specifically, I was wondering, how often are these averages going to be computed? Uh, when will these judgments be made? Uh, it would be good for us to have some kind of a, a reference to go to. Thank you. Thank you. Just to follow up on that, Jane, because I, I, I want to have this uh, informative discussion here. Yeah. On June 1st, every color scheme was to have submitted to us uh, their plans for their coming years. Their tentative plans, it didn't have to be written in stone, but right. what the vehicles that they thought that they were going to need to replace and how they were going to replace them and how they were going to do that in compliance with the Clean right. Taxi Ordinance. And on July 1st, that's going to start, and the vehicle uh, forms will be submitted to us, and our staff will evaluate them. And at the end of the year, next July 1st, we'll look back and see you know, how well the plans actually fit out with what happened and what was yeah. purchased. So. My commitment again to you is total cooperation, a right. light hand with the penalties and fines, and a, right. you know a strong hand right. with working together. So right, and and I and I understand you do need to have a schedule of fines, um, because you just do. But I also appreciate that this is something that that all of us are motivated to work together on, right. and, and I hope we can maintain that spirit of cooperation as we go into this new and I hope very wonderful territory. Thank you. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. <clears throat> Good evening again, Mark Ruberg. And I think stiff penalties are fine, and I don't think that one-year grace period would serve any purpose except to give people another year to be out of compliance. But uh, while heavy penalties may be in order, I don't think they should be automatic uh, in the sense that um, – it's not clear how this is going to play out, what kinds of violations may occur, and whether there may be some inadvertent violations um, uh, that um, just happen without anybody intending them to happen. And so I think if you had, a, alongside the penalty scheme, a, a kind of um, the ability for the commission to say, come into compliance by such and such a date or pay the fine, that would give companies the leeway to correct uh, any problems that may have inadvertently occurred. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And just, just to clarify, there is no grace period uh, proposed in the legislation. That was something that came out of public comment, but, I mean, there's nothing, there's no grace period. This takes effect July 1st. <laughs> Thomas. Well, good evening, Thomas Josh Williams. Um, I think it's very important to include spare cabs into that program. It does not help a driver or the public if the spare cab is an old Crown Victorian and it doesn't get replaced in time. So it's dirty, stinky, it costs the driver 60, 70 bucks a shift to fill it up, and you should really include it. And make it looser that companies can change spares in and out into the regular fleet, but include them into the clean air. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else wants? Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmoud. <coughs> Cutting the age of the life of the car from eight year to five year, even if you are projecting from 2010, 
We need to see that right now there are drivers, our medallion owners, who buy a used Crown Vic for $10,000. And they are using it to seven, eight years period total. Hybrids, if you want to put the citizens into small Prius all over the town, still it costs $22,000. You want to give them big cars, Ford Escape or other big ones, that are $32,000, $33,000. There are many good cars which are more expensive for hybrids. We're not talking about the regular cars. So these hybrids, when they have to buy and finish it in five years, it may be okay for a company, but not okay for the affiliates. There are hundreds of affiliates which have just the color, but they buy their own car, they run their own car, they have their own drivers, or sometimes they don't have any driver. They are running it by themselves only or single shift only. So finishing a car in five years is not correct. We should stay with a seven year instead of eight, but less than that, no, whereas we already have a limit of 350,000 miles. Second thing, the spare. Once the car has reached to a level that company decided to make it a, a spare, they do it only when it's nearly junk. So spare car, returning it back to the fleet is not good. Spare should stay as a spare and it should not come back. It's already reached to the limits where the company don't think that it's usable as a good car. <coughs> so please look into that you have three, four hundred affiliates in this industry, the medallion owners, who are buying their own cars and they can't afford this high price and throw the cars in five years. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Mike? Overall, I, overall, I like the changes made uh, in, in this document, it's, uh, especially the, the ones dealing with uh, spare cabs and the um, uh, salvage vehicles. This is, this is an area that at this time, there are, there are salvage vehicles all over the United States, and, and they can be bought at a reasonable amount of money. Many of them are in very good shape. They have some front-end damage, et cetera, et cetera. The batteries have not been damaged. The frame has not been, been twisted. Uh, companies can buy these salvage vehicles and put them into operation. And, and with the shortage of clean air vehicles, this, the, I like that proposal very much. My biggest problem is the fines. It, it seems that some of these numbers have been, have been pulled out of thin air, and I don't see if there's been very much uh, uh, consultation with the taxi industry, with the companies, as to what the fines should be and what they consider uh, to be the most severe violations. And, and again, it was said earlier, but I think it should be repeated, that the, the fines should reflect the, the particular violations. Some violations are more serious. Some are, 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 could be just mistakes made by the companies. And um, so, and starting out with a very, in, in, in this use of the K, I wish it would have been, I mean, 4K sounds a lot, I get easier to, to take than $4,000. And certainly 44K is a lot easier than 44,000, which was the, is the high fine 
for a major company for their second violation. It can be that much. And I think when you start throwing numbers like 44,000 or 55,000 or 30,000 even into a document as a fine schedule, you're starting to make the commission look pretty ridiculous because there's other bodies in this city that look at those kind of fines. And I'm talking about the Board of Appeals. I'm talking about even the Board of Supervisors and other courts. They look at these fine schedules and they say, well, this is kind of absurd. A $44,000 fine on one company could easily bankrupt it. It's a down payment on a house in the Midwest. Thanks. Commissioners, Jim Gillespie, Yellow Cab. I wasn't going to comment on fines, but the only comment I guess I would have, I think Dan Hines mentioned a concern about what if there were some extenuating circumstances and given some flexibility to the commission. So I looked here and I noticed it says small companies, medium to large companies will be fined. And I don't know just from a wording if it could be maybe fined. I don't know if Tom Owen might have some legal input, but something that basically gives you flexibility. When I see will be fined, it seems to me that if you find it's a violation, then you have to fine them. And what if there is a situation that you'd want to reduce the fine, do something differently, and this kind of tells you that you will do it. So that was the only suggestion I have on fines. The other two comments I had, I really am concerned about. There are two items and I'll go over them quickly. The first one is inspections. And it says inspections shall be, and this is in section 5G number one, says inspections shall be done every six months for spares, every 12 months for regular cabs. And I know before we had mileage regulation and then once a car hit 250,000, it had to be twice a year. At Yellow Cab, we sometimes put cars into spares that have 170, 180,000 miles. And it seems to me that having them inspected twice a year, I'd rather see it based on what you had before. So I know we're changing the rule. I thought the mileage thing worked well. The other concern I have would be on 5G4 and has to do with age. I think, again, we're trying too hard to regulate the taxi industry and have had some things that have worked in the past. It used to be you could have a vehicle, to put it on the street, knew it couldn't be more than three years old, couldn't have more than 60,000 miles, and then once you put it in, you could only run it for four years. So that was seven years. Then we went to eight years, which I kind of think was a step back. And I personally think the seven years still should be considered, and even though Yellow Cab doesn't buy, you know, mostly buy new cabs, I'm still thinking particularly when we're really upgrading the industry and we're going to alternative fuel vehicles. And as I mentioned the last time, what if there's an opportunity for whether it be Yellow or any company to purchase a vehicle that's, you know, one, two, or three years old that has low mileage, and we're eliminating these markets. You're going to stay in a few years. You either buy a brand-new car or one one-year-old, and that's going to be the industry here, and you're pushing everybody into buying $30,000 vehicles. I just think it's, to me, it's unnecessary if a vehicle at least is going to come in with, you know, low years, you know, one, two, three years old, low mileage, and then not run it for more than four years, the rule we used to have. I think that's a better rule than eventually getting it down to basically having to buy new vehicles for everybody. So my thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Good evening, Commissioner. My name is Bashir Rahimi, and I'm one of the cab drivers. 
Commissioner, the thing is we are not just talking only the cab companies or the corporations. We have to think about the public too. Something has to be safe with both sides. Whenever you put it in, you know, this is like inspection of the vehicles or the mileage of the vehicles because we are concerned about the public. And something is an old vehicle or a junk vehicles should be not be in the, in the industry. Why? Because why when then we regulated the departments? So when we are regulating the department, it has to be a good car, clean car, as new as possible, that would be very good. But salvage car, nothing wrong with salvage car. That's a good idea if you have a salvage car. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. I'm just, uh, commissioners, if there's any comments while I'm looking something up here. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find out what <clears throat> our section on vehicle age right now exactly is. I do have a comment yes, about Commissioner the penalty Breslin. section. I, I very much like the suggestions that Commissioner Onetto made. I, I think they make sense here. I am leaning, however, towards acknowledging that we don't know how, the how smoothly the implementation period is going to go. Um, if there are going to be back orders for, for different taxis and so on. So, so I am leaning towards having some sort of a grace period before we start putting the penalties in place, just to get a feel for how are the companies complying, especially since uh, we are doing this in a goodwill effort uh, with uh, companies working together uh, to try to put, implement this. Um, we're not trying to penalize people. We don't want to penalize people. I think they need to be strong, which they are. But I think we need to see how, how the process is going, how, how it is, and then, then put the penalties in place. Well, I have, I have two comments on this. I think the, uh, the first relation, I also agree with uh, Tom's uh, suggestions here, but I think that the, uh, the initial fines could be reduced. And I, I say this because of what uh, Patricia just argued uh, with the idea that this has to be implemented. And my suggestion would be something like in the, in the realm of $1,000 per medallion on the first offense and reduce the 10K to 5K maximum. And consequently, all the way down to $1,000 for the medium-sized company and reduce it to 15,000. And then a large company is 1,000, and then we could reduce that to 25 or 30,000. But, uh, and then going into the second phase also. But my, my other question is, my, well, the question I have is, right now, if we start this in July, we implement this, when would be the first inspection that they would be in violation of so that it, would they be inspected this year to the fiscal year, uh, or rather to the calendar year to 2009? So would these companies be subject to this first fine uh, within the next six months? Or would it go a full year before that fine becomes effective? So when is the date for their inspection is what I want to uh, point to. In other words, how is this going to be affecting the actual company that's going to be, uh, going to be fined? Are, are they going to comply right now, and if they're found to be in noncompliance within six months, that's the first phase of the fine? Every, uh, the vehicles that are already in service are on a schedule for when they're inspected, but any new vehicle that's placed in the service has to be 
inspected first by GTU. And so what we're adding is an additional vehicle introduction form that the staff would then get and evaluate it and give them uh, an indication whether or not this vehicle helps them comply with the clean taxi rule. Okay. So, yeah, does that answer your question? Or I think Commissioner Benjamin's question is a really good one. And, and, um, and I think what it's really getting at is the idea that the greenhouse gas um, legislation, as you've pointed out, Paul, applies to the entire fleet, right? And so we might want to have some, some period of time to say, okay, every six months the fleet is going, or after, after the first year, because it does seem sort of silly the first time something gets inspected, how can you tell if they're in violation of this ordinance, which says it's going to judge the entire fleet, and you've got, and we've asked them to do these plans and sort of say, how are you going to do it over the next year as your fleet comes in and out? And, and this is this is another one of the reasons I think that it's we ought not vote today on any um, penalty structure. I, I tend to agree with Commissioner Benjamin that, that the fines are, I mean, we, we have $150, $200 fines for pretty serious offenses, and now we're talking about thousands of dollars on this, and this is a, I know that you've, that we're trying our best to design it in such a way that there won't be any fines, and I could quite frankly see a company getting pretty uh, worked up into a lather if they say you you approved us you put us this into into uh, into service when we you know when you said it would be okay and now you're giving me a fine so I, I, I have lots of concerns about the fine <coughs> structure and when the fines will be determined if any um, and when quote unquote compliance with the legislation would be determined mm -hmm. um, and I think that those these are questions that aren't necessarily uh, at least they're not clear to me on the face of, uh, of the, what, what we've got here. So that's sort of another reason that I would say, you know, if we can avoid it, let's not impose any of this quite yet. And then I think it plays into what Commissioner Breslin was saying about not, re, you know, let's see how these things uh, fl you know, flesh out over the, next, uh, yeah. over the next few months. So yeah. that, those are my thoughts. I agree completely on this, on this penalty phase and on the whole way that we're going about implementing this legislation again I'll just say it's going to be based on cooperation and not on the not on the stick so much but more on the carrot and as we all work it out ourselves uh, we're going to get experience in and what needs to be done and I, I just have to say this though that when I looked at the uh, reports that were submitted on June 1st I was very impressed by color schemes and how clear on the concept they were and and really I know Commissioner Onetto pretty much felt the same way that as I look down the road here, if people continue to uh, approach this legislation the way they have so far, I think this penalty business is, you know, not going to be something that we have to implement on a regular basis, but we do need to get it right uh, when we put it into effect. So I agree that tonight is not the night for us to go forward with these penalties, and hopefully uh, Director Thigpen can review all these comments that we've made and, uh, you know, since, as Mr. Owen said, this has to go to the Board of Supervisors anyway, we have plenty of time to really uh, get these penalty things right. So, <clears throat> Can I make a comment on a, yeah. another item? Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that the, the only other item that I, that I have some uh, doubt in my own mind about how to handle is the, is the age issue, which I think yeah. a lot of people have commented on. Yeah. Um, I, I feel strongly that um, the fleet in general, I mean, not any particular company, but in, in general, is not nearly as strong as it should be or could be. And I think that the uh, quality of the cabs, I mean, you get in cabs and the, and the quality varies tremendously. And I think that, I think what 
we're trying to get at here with this age idea is that you tend, when you're in a newer cab, to be in a nicer cab that is in better shape and better repair, and the older the cab gets, it's in more disrepair and less nice, and there's more problems with it, and the public deserves to have cabs that are in good shape. And I think that, and my view of it always was, well, the newer the cab, the more likely that that's going to be the case. I hear people saying, hey, listen, a cab that, it's better to go off of mileage rather than off of years, and I quite frankly am not sure what the best solution is, and so I'd be very interested to see what my fellow commissioners think about it. I tend to think that what we've fashioned here sounds reasonable to me, but I could certainly be convinced otherwise, but it seems to me that of everything that we've heard tonight, this is the piece that is garnering the biggest, you know, question marks, and I think that we should consider it carefully. Would you, I mean, something that I've thought about this too, and a suggestion that people have made was that rather than five years, it might be six years. Right now it's eight years, you know. At one time, I'll give you a little history of this, because it goes back to Willie Brown and the taxi task force and all this stuff, Commissioner Slaughter, and at that time there was no age limit. There was no standard whatsoever on the age of the vehicles, and people were literally, you could see the ground passing under your feet through the holes and the rust, and then we passed a very stringent rule, and we relaxed that a little bit, and then it got relaxed, I think, a little bit too far, as some people say, and it's eight years now, and I think if we were to rethink this, the one thing I might consider is that rather than five years, say six years, and so if it was put into service as a two-year-old vehicle and then run for three years regularly and one year as a spare, that might be something. As it is now, five years would say you could put a one-year vehicle into an old vehicle, run it for three years, and then one more year as a spare. That would be five years. That is pretty stringent. That's saying that only a one-year-old vehicle. So if we were to change that, say, to six years, that would say you could put a two-year-old vehicle into service. That might be a little bit more leeway. And that two-year-old vehicle couldn't have, it would have to have a maximum number of miles. You couldn't be a two, it would have to, I feel like saying 60,000 somewhere. It's still 60,000. So the two-year vehicle would still have to have 60 or fewer thousand miles. 60,000 or fewer, yeah. And that's, I think, the key because there are, you know, we don't want to have a vehicle that's been used as a taxi for two years. It would have 200,000 and then could be used four more years. So I don't know. I might consider that, that six years rather than five years might be. But, I mean, again, this is not really kicking in for three more years, so we have time to think about this, and the MTA would have time to think about this. That was my next thought. The way we've done it, we've changed it in light of comments. Right. So that those vehicles already placed into service wouldn't have to be taken out of service before the time that people thought. Quite frankly, it's fine with it as it is. Well, I mean, yeah, at that point in time, boy, it sounds toothless to me, right? It's sort of say after, you know, we're talking two years away before anything starts coming out of service, and there will be certainly a lot of time for people to comment on it. But as I said, I'm not as sure on this item as I tend to be on other items. And so that's why I'm expressing that. Commissioner Breslin, do you have anything to say about this vehicle age question? 
I'm actually on the fence myself. I did vote to increase the years of service up to the eight-year. And at the time, I did it because I was extremely sympathetic to the financial liens on a lot of the companies, that they had a lot of burdens, and it just seemed like the right thing to do at that point. However, taking taxis a lot, I see a lot of them in such poor condition that I tend to question my judgment at that time and to say, you know, does it make for a cleaner, more service-friendly fleet if we limit the number of years? I'm not stuck on a year. What I want to see is the good fleet out there, and whatever serves that purpose is fine. I think the eight years did go a little too lax at some points, but I could be talked into six. I don't know if five is too stringent, but according to your scenario, it seems pretty narrow, you know, when you put it out the way you did. The problem I would have with changing this into anything longer than the five years is what happened to that $7.50 in gates that the drivers are paying to purchase these new vehicles? You know, so I'm not buying this, buying used cars and this. They got the money to buy the new cars out of the gates, so it stays right where it is, in my opinion. Valid point, Commissioner Meadow, very valid, because it was over three years, $7.50 per shift is about $16,000 in a subsidy, and so we didn't. And if you figure even a Crown Vic could cost $10,000, they're getting another $16,000 or $18,000 in gate, that's $28,000. That buys you four to escape brand new, and now you've got an extra year of service because you're not buying something with 60,000 miles on it, you're buying something with no miles on it. So I don't buy this buying used vehicles anyplace. That's why I'm a little bit hesitant about the salvage vehicles, too, because it's the same thing. They've got $7.50 a shift to buy these vehicles. Why are we even talking about this? Anyway. Okay. I spouted. I mean, I think you understand the salvage vehicle issue, and I would say that right now Yellow Cab has a salvage vehicle that they just bought with 100 miles on it. I mean, it was in a minor accident that was deemed salvage. It was a Nissan Altima, and it's not a vehicle that, in my opinion, should be kept out of the fleet because it was minor damage, and yet it was determined to be salvage. So what we've done here is basically added another level of inspection for any vehicle that's designated that. So it will be a lot tighter. Nothing with damaged frames or physically unsound will be put out there. But when we get to this point, you're going to start being able to buy salvaged hybrid vehicles that they're going to be able to get $7.50 a shift to pay for that they don't have to pay that much money for. It doesn't make any sense. You know, the whole idea behind that $7.50 was for them to help them defray the cost of a new vehicle. That was the whole point of that. You know, right on to the driver's back. But we didn't put a new vehicle mandate into the law. So, you know, we made that decision not to put a new vehicle mandate. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was anything under 60,000 miles considered new, which is a salvage vehicle. It could be with 100 miles on it, like you just said. You know, so no. I'd have a problem with that. You know, that's what $7.50 is for. 
Does, does anyone know what happens to a hybrid vehicle with this battery system uh, in a flood? With all these uh, flooding going on in the Midwest, we might really find an influx of uh, a lot of used vehicles and, uh, you know, uh, salvage vehicles coming on the market because, uh, you know, from what I see on the TV, there's going to be a lot of cars underwater. And if they're selling hybrids like they are here, you know, it could be, I, I don't know what happens to the car. I, I know that a lot of flood vehicles are make are going to be salvage vehicles, and they make fine vehicles as far as what we need them for. So that's a that's a question. It's a good question. I don't. I don't know have the answer for it. Yeah. <laughs> Second time tonight. Okay. Well, we have a resolution in front of us, and uh, just the yeah. point of in section six, uh -huh. the used vehicle mm -hmm. is. is I, I'm. Just, it's just not reading right for me, and maybe it's. I'm reading it wrong, but it says uh, no vehicle which has been designated as salvaged by the California Department of Motor Vehicles may be placed into service as a taxi cab unless the color scheme holder has been approved by the commission. Shouldn't that be the vehicle? Or uh, I, I don't know. Why isn't the yeah, yeah. color scheme holder already approved by the commission? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Where are you reading that? Yeah. Where? Six used vehicles. So second for the that last. Probably just be vehicle. Yeah, I think that should be just vehicle. Just right? vehicle. Make that change. Unless the vehicle has been approved by the commission or its designee pursuant to the salvage vehicle program. Why is that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Is it is? No vehicle which has been designated as salvage may be placed into service as a taxi cab unless the vehicle has been approved. How about, how about inspected and approved? Unless the vehicle has been inspected and approved. Okay. Do you have that tomorrow? Unless the vehicle has been inspected and approved mm -hmm. by the commission. Okay. Does anyone care to make any amendments to the uh, resolution? Just, just for the record, we're going to be continuing the penalty resolution, so we're not going to take a vote on that tonight. But so we're now considering the second resolution implementing. So we're doing 2008, right? Right. Well, they're all they're, they don't the they second. don't have a number yet. Oh, okay. That'll they'll oh, be okay. Uh, given a number. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. But we are doing this one. Yes. <laughs> so if there aren't any uh, proposed amendments. I'll, I'll make a motion to approve it. Well, well have, we, have we settled on the age, the section on the age? I, I, I tend now, having heard Commissioner Netto, I, I tend to agree that um, we should leave it as, as proposed, and we've clearly got time um, if somebody's going to come forward and say and, and articulate a specific reason why it shouldn't um, be that way. We've got, we've got time always to, to change it, but there's no reason tonight, I think, to, to do so. And I think, um, and I'd be in favor of leaving it as, it as it is proposed. I agree. Okay. Any other discussion? We do have a motion on the table. Is there a second? Motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Congratulations, everyone. It's the last little piece of the puzzle. Okay. Um, next agenda item.
Line item 6, consideration of the 2008 color scheme standards, proposed rules 4A13 and 5A10, amendments to MPC section 1125, and proposed 2008 color scheme standards. This is discussion and possible action item. There's a bullet point there also that, I'll just read it. It says, please note that item 6 will not be discussed in the rules committee supplement, but will be discussed at the June 24th and July 8th meeting so that all commissioners can participate in the discussion. I'll let Commissioner Breslin follow up on this, but this proposal, I think it's ideally the kind of thing that should be discussed in the rules committee, and I understand why it was brought here tonight and why it's on the agenda here tonight, so that all commissioners can have a chance to weigh in on this proposal. But there are a lot of provisions to this, and I think since the rules committee is set up in a way that there's a lot of give and take and input and time to consider some of the things more in depth, I'm inclined tonight, it was never intended to be voted on tonight, but it's really my preference to bring this back to the rules committee and have it discussed there and have it refined in that forum. But we will allow commissioners to make their comments on this tonight, and I know, Commissioner Benjamin, because you're not on the rules committee, I know you care about a lot of these issues that are involved in this draft, so feel free to say whatever you want to say, and Commissioner Breslin, if you want to follow up too on anything I've said here, feel free to. But we will take public comment on the actual proposal and what some of the things are in it, but not be voting on this, and again, it's my intention to consider this a little bit more fully at the rules committee. My only question is, do we have a tentative date for the next rules committee meeting? I think we do. So it's July the 1st, so let's see. All right, so that would fall in nicely, yeah. All right. 1030. So just for the public to note that we will be having that rules and break committee before the next commission meeting. It's not to say that we get it all resolved, though, at that meeting, so anyway, I didn't feel like I should prevent this from coming to the full commission for this, especially since some commissioners are not on the rules committee and they might want to weigh in on some of the provisions here. It is my preference to bring it back to that group and then bring it back here once we've refined it somewhat. So, Mr. Benjamin, is there anything you'd like to start off with on this? First of all, I'd like to acknowledge that these suggestions were thought over with myself and Charles Rathbone, I think, should be given some credit for these suggestions more so than myself, along with Jordana. We had a get-together where we kind of hashed out some of the ideas to put down on this, and my weighing in on this comes, if I just go down the list, I agree that I think the commission operates under a handicap that we've seen over the past couple of years where we notify someone at a certain cab company and the notice really doesn't get anywhere. So I think the idea of having a manager designated in each color scheme should be something that is going to be approved so that it makes our communication a lot easier and being able to set forth these rules and have them implemented. The other idea with credit cards is an obvious. It shouldn't be that 
certain companies have credit cards and other companies can't accept them or pass them on to the companies that are, and that's what's happening right now. Uh, so all companies should be qualified to have credit cards or they shouldn't be a color scheme. Uh, financial statements, uh, again, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Uh, the 1099 idea is to limit the abuse that can happen, which we even heard about tonight, that uh, one company will offer a medallion holder $3,000 and another one can only pay $1,800. And there's no way to really find out what they're being charged unless you just go on an honor system. And those abuses are happening. And it, they're very accurate to say that if you're charging someone or paying someone $3,000 a month for that medallion, that the same person is not going to be paying the same gate. So our whole gate structure, everything that we argue about, just goes out the wind. There's no reason for us to even have one. For The majority of these cabs are being run on leases, and they're not being affected by uh, whatever gate we say they should be controlled by. So the same thing comes back to this 1099 as to what they're paying for these medallions. Uh, the next point, uh, post-K medallions as gas and gate. Well, tonight uh, Sergeant Reynolds referred to a, uh, a cab that was out on the street being driven by someone who's being driven by another person, and we don't know who's driving the cab. So there's no way to qualify it, even a company like Luxor. And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to disclose that that particular medallion was a Luxor cab medallion, but it's being operated as a leased vehicle. And we don't know who that person was that said, hey, well, I can't drive tonight. Here's the, here's the keys. Because they're not changing shifts. They're, they, uh, you know, cannot change a shift because it's obvious that you can take a cab and uh, hand it off to your friend wherever you want to, and uh, somebody else gets behind the wheel. So the gas and gate idea will control that. In other words, the company will have to be responsible. The color scheme will directly be responsible for who gets behind the wheel. And I think that that's a good motion. Uh, the receiving passing scores of 80%, that's fine with me also. Uh, having at least five medallions, I'm, I'm flexible on that. I, I don't think we should limit necessarily small companies, but I think that we have to really find out what it is that we want to provide as service for the uh, city as far as a small company. If you have a single shift, I don't think that that's the way a medallion should be issued because we, we argue all the time about how many medallions should be on the street, and then you have one guy that just drives a cab for 10 hours. Well, that's fine. He has his own little business, but that medallion means something to all of us that we want to see at least two shifts on a medallion. I think that that should be a requirement. And... Uh, that's where it comes up short. Now, how do we justify new medallions if they're only going to be used one time a day? It just doesn't make sense to me. And, and that's where the problem is between the large companies and the small companies. Uh, and the clean, clean air policy is a no-brainer also. So that's, that's my take on the whole thing. Thank you, Commissioner. Benjamin, thanks for your work on this. A lot of provocative and good, some good ideas in there. And before we go to public comment, is there any other commissioner comments on any of these agenda items? And especially those of you who don't sit on the Rules Committee and, you know, enjoy that wonderful forum. Mr. Slaughter. I'll make one general comment, and, and it's this. I, I think that it's important that there be standards for color schemes, and I like um, I think that these are all valuable ideas that we can debate the, the, around the fringes, but I, I think generally they're all, they're all good. 
My concern is linking – I have two concerns. One is I think that we need to do better on what the penalties are for noncompliance with these rules, and that leads me to my second comment, which is I don't like the idea of linking noncompliance, at least initially or directly, with preventing a driver or, excuse me, preventing a medallion holder from changing color schemes. If the company is out of compliance with not having a manager or not being compliant with the clean air program, I don't think that necessarily should punish the driver who's, for whatever reason, and I really am opposed to sort of having them fill out this section that says, here's the reason I'm moving. I think a guy should be able to – or a woman or whoever it is should be able to move from a company to a company for whatever reason or no reason. And so the penalties should be the company's, and I think when you set up saying you can't move, you're really penalizing often the medallion holder. Now, I understand that there can be situations where, you know, the company – I guess I could still see situations where you can say, hey, company, you are not in compliance, and the penalty may include you not being allowed to have any medallions move into your color scheme. But I don't like the way that it's currently set where it's – and we've had so many debates recently, and maybe it's just really focused on that one set of medallions, but we're focused on the person who wants to move from one to the other, and we're saying, well, is this color scheme in compliance with all these various rules, or what's the standard by which we're going to judge a medallion moving from one color scheme to another? I think the color schemes need to have standards, and I think they need to comply with the standards, but I don't think the point at which that is being judged and whether that compliance should be judged is solely when a driver – a medallion holder applies to move from one color scheme to another. I think that we should set up a system, and, you know, if it's yearly or every six months, where we figure out if the color scheme is in compliance, and if it's not, then there will be some consequences. But I don't think that the – maybe that's where I'm really getting at. The point of entry to sort of make those determinations should be at the time that a random medallion holder decides to move from one color scheme to another. So that's my only really big-picture comment on the proposed rules. Thank you. And we'll take those back to the Rules Committee, and I tend to agree with that, that, you know, in our color scheme audit should be that portion of our regulatory scheme where we find out whether people are in compliance rather than at the point when an individual permit holder wants to move to another color scheme. It seems to make sense. Okay, I'm going to go to public comment, and just so people know, we will be discussing this further in the Rules Committee, but I will talk about it tonight also for two minutes. So, Mark. Good evening again, Commissioners. Mark Brewer, speaking now for GreenCap. And I want to raise an initial point, and I do so respectfully, but we do believe that there is a conflict of interest on the part of Commissioner Benjamin, who is on this commission as a person employed by Luxor Cab, a large cab company. And the rules that are being promulgated, some of them directly and explicitly, and others potentially, and through the discussion perhaps even others, could have extremely negative impacts on certain cab companies, particularly smaller cab companies, to the benefit of larger cab companies. 
And we feel that this constitutes a conflict of interest by which Commissioner Benjamin could benefit financially, and therefore we feel that he should by all rights be recused from participation. I'll just mention a couple of other points in the short time. We did send a letter to the commissioners, which I hope you received by e-mail, and if not, I'm sure you'll receive it or we'll have a chance to get it to you before the next meeting. A five-cab minimum has several drawbacks. It's going to be very hard to start a new company. You have to assemble five medallions. The startup costs are formidable. If you have a small company and you happen to lose a couple of medallions through death, through revocation or movement, that company under this setup, and I understand Commissioner Slaughter's objections to the scheme here, but under this setup, that company could never recover because it couldn't move any medallions into the company to take the place of the ones it had lost. And lastly, having ten ramp cabs, I'm sorry, but citywide dispatch is a great dispatch service, and they don't have ten ramp cabs. Thank you. Can I make a comment on that recusal argument? My representation here is not for Luxor Cab. It's for the cab industry, so I take input from all cab companies if they want to get a hold of me. Second of all, nothing that is in this legislation is going to directly result, as we do on the consent calendar, of a particular medallion moving in, which would be a financial increase for Luxor Cab or for Yellow Cab in your case. So I don't feel that I should recuse on this particular issue because generally we're discussing the whole overall development of the industry if we change it. I tend to agree with you on that, that you would not be subject to recusal on this, but I might ask Mr. Owen to just get with you and give an informal discussion about whether or not there's any need for recusal involved here or whether you need to talk to the city attorney's office. That's ultimately your decision, how you go with that, but that would be the advice that I would give you to just talk briefly with Tom and, if necessary, the city attorney's office. Good evening, Commissioners. I don't understand what's happening here. Your left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. You have just passed a set of regulations under Rule 5, and now we're looking at 6, but they conflict. Why do they conflict? Because you have an enormous problem. You're going to be asking a cab to transfer from one company to another because of color scheme regulations, but he may not be able to because he doesn't fit the footprint of any of the companies, and this is going to happen with all the small companies. Everybody this year rushed out and bought cabs in the smaller companies and the independents before the Clean Air Act, and they are not going to be able to transfer under your proposed regulations because they are not Clean Air compliant, which is not numbered here, comply with the Clean Air Taxi Program. So you can't do it. That's the first thing. The second thing you can't do is this whole thing about credit cards. I am very proud of the program of Yellow Cab, which I am a member. This year 
we are going to spend approximately $1 million on bank fees for credit cards. That is the project. If you said we are one-third of the fleet of this town in taxicabs, and the other two-thirds do not have credit cards, although some of them do, some of them don't, we would project at least another million dollars. That is more than the entire profit of the rest of the industry. You. So you're going to have to get a control. Robert, thank you. Good evening again, Commissioners. I would, uh, credit cards is, 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 is a tough subject, uh, and I don't know if it's freedom of choice or, or you can actually make somebody to accept credit cards, but the fees are outrageous right now, and we have a lot of credit cards. We, our drivers will write them down. They'll swipe them. They use a credit card machine. They'll do anything to get a credit card, and the companies have to be allowed to charge service charges for these because it's becoming it's way way out of line. And the credit cards also, the, 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 nobody walks around with cash anymore. I mean, nobody. And I know it's an inconvenience for some drivers not to you know not being able to uh, that don't want to take credit cards, but it's inev they have to. It's inev inevitable that, that uh, someone's going to get in the cab, you know, and it's not going to be just you know. We get in our small company. We get about ten a day, so that's a lot. Also, I want to talk about the, talk about the 1099 because uh, it was mentioned that you didn't know who was getting in and out. You know that uh, you didn't know how much the, the, the companies are paying. Well, it's 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 not the commission's business to know that. There is no regulation controlling whatever the, it is being paid out right now. And also the. Uh, the, the long-term lease versus the gate and gas. Again, you're, you're interfering with the, with the, the, the business of, of, the, of a private industry here, and, and not a lot, you know let the companies run their own businesses what, you know, the way they want to. It's you know whatever benefits the business. I mean, you just can't continue walking in and saying you you, you know this is it. And with my 13 seconds, uh, with my time on the bench, and I'd like to recognize Commissioner Benjamin. He's done a swell job. He's he, and he's been very, you know, very good for the for the commission. Thank you. <laughs> Camera caught that, Marty. Carl McMurdo, uh, this disclaimer on your agenda, I find it to be very lame. I, I think the entire purpose of the uh, having a subcommittee for the rules is to screen out the rough items and just bring forward what should come forward to the whole commission. Uh, I want to agree with what Commissioner Slaughter said. Uh, it's one thing and it's very good cause to have uh, color schemes meet minimum standards to stay in operation, but you should really not restrict the color scheme changes based on criteria that are not formally adopted by the commission as rules. Uh, regarding a, a few things in the proposal, uh, the gas engaged for post-K, I think that ignores some disability consequences, and that should be looked at some more. Um, 
I saw that the color scheme compliance moved from 70% to 80% has to do with an arbitrary checklist. That needs to be explained better at the Rules Committee. The restrictions on hiring managers, I think it's well and good to have a contact, and that's necessary. But to say that someone has to, I believe, had an A card or a medallion for several years to be a company manager, you're interfering with the company business. Someone who's highly educated might be a better person to help run a cab company than someone who's a cab driver, for example. And finally, on the credit card, I think that's something that would probably be a good idea a year from now. But right now there's a muni debit swipe card project going forward over at MTA, and this actually jeopardizes the project. It creates mistrust among the people, the small cab companies. And I say to the new Commissioner Saval that the debit swipe card box is going to have GPS capabilities. It can be provided free with federal funds, but it's not going to be integrated with dispatch. However, this proposal implies that the companies would have to have some kind of GPS dispatch to make the credit card work. So I think this really shouldn't have come forward in this way. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you, Commissioner Slaughter, for recognizing that you've established these standards. I mean, they're good standards, but you're not mandating that they apply to everyone, only those who want to change color schemes. So you're setting up a two-tiered system. First, federal tax laws, they require that a 1099 is issued by the end of January. We all get them by the end of January, right? So any cab company that fails to issue this, they're in violation of federal tax laws. On the matter of requiring credit cards, again, by applying this to color scheme changes only, you're directing business to the two companies, I'm sorry, that have the computer capability. So I think there may be two people on this commission that should think about recusing, because you normally do. Also, the debit card program is going to provide all the cabs with the capability to accept credit cards. So my understanding is that the project's moving along well. So why are you creating this rule now when we're so close to the start of the program? Operation standards, gates and gas only, the designation of bona fide managers, why do you have to be a medallion holder to be a manager? That doesn't make any sense. And why do you have to have it for five years? Why can't you have somebody that's not a medallion holder? So once again, by just applying this to color scheme changes, it makes me wonder, is it legal to apply it to all cabs? Why don't you just adopt these as standards? Or is that legal? Something's making me think that it is not, and that's why you're creating this two-tiered system. So it's kind of bad business to do that. So the standards are good, they're good, but you should do it for all the cabs. Thank you. Commissioners, there are a number of these proposals that I have real reservations about, but my biggest reservation, the only thing I really care to address, is the way this came to us today. We have a rules committee that's actively meeting that is going through the rules on a very deliberative basis. It's often a tedious process, but it's one that's being handled carefully by this rules subcommittee. Different ideas are brought out in that context, and it seems to me 
We all have different ideas about how to change the industry, how to approach the industry. It seems to me that's a proper forum for these ideas to initially be brought forth. There is no justification that I have seen that's been brought forward as to why this rules committee should be bypassed and this should be brought, these proposals should be brought before the taxi commission. And to be honest with you, some of these I think I just, they're just, just to bring up two, number one is the credit cards. I mean, we've already got a credit card program that's absolutely on track and that by the end of this year, well, we should have credit card capability in all the camps. So why is this even being proposed? And secondly, the idea of making all post-K medallions, gas and gates would transform this entire industry. To implement this would create dramatic changes that I don't think were seriously considered by the people who proposed this. So that's just two of the problems. But the main problem is what happened to the process that this commission uses and why was it bypassed? Thank you. Thank you. Recognize this? You ever read it from cover to cover? It'll put you to sleep real quick. It's 45 pages of rules and the color scheme holders take up 20 pages in the document. And others, 97 rules apply to color scheme holders. And they cover everything that you could think of under the sun that would affect operating a taxi cab company. And when I look at these eight or nine rules, I realize these rules are really very self-serving. They're really aimed at some, obviously they've been proposed by a particular cab company for the benefit of that cab company. That cab company feels pressure from smaller operators who are more efficient or who take medallions from them. And these rules are really aimed at preventing that from happening by putting a chokehold on these smaller companies. These rules are very political in nature and very focused on competition. They're very anti-competitive. Have at least five medallions. Now, how absurd. You have to go into business with five units. Otherwise, forget about being in business. There's color schemes out there with less than five. Are they supposed to simply now change their color scheme to a larger company? And there's a lot of guys out there that are running three or four or five cabs and they want to continue running a small amount. Requiring everybody to take credit cards. I take rides sometimes that are $4.45 rides and they tell me to put $5 on the credit card. And the ride took three minutes, but the credit card isn't processing and it's taking six to nine minutes just to get the thing. I never get an approval. And I have to call then the company and give them the approval and get a number. And a three-minute, four-minute ride ends up being 15 minutes. So if companies don't want to accept credit cards, why are we trying to force this down their necks? Thank you. Commissioners, first of all, I'd like to echo Dan Hines' comments. I'm a little disappointed this would be on the calendar this evening since it hadn't even been discussed at the Rules Committee and appreciate the fact that we have discussion only and then this will go to the committee later. To comment, though, I guess on a couple of things since I've got the time to do it, just a couple of things. The one was I totally don't understand about managers. I'm not aware of anybody that 
is being considered for a manager somewhere that doesn't have a medallion, but certainly if we had someone in the business that we met that we wanted to bring in and manage a company, why should we be told by a city regulation who we can have manage our cab company? It doesn't make any sense to me. The other items on credit cards, we've got the debit card program, as Dan also mentioned, that's coming forward. And once the debit card is in place, and I think if this was brought forward at that time, it would be appropriate, but it wouldn't be appropriate to make some kind of regulations now before that program has even been completed. Lastly, on the post-K medallions, gate and gas only, you know, the argument that I've always heard and when I've asked this come up before and I asked people and commission staff in months past, there was a concern about those who were post-K medallions that were in violation. And I totally understand that. My count, I was trying to run some numbers here. There's, I think there's about 400 pre-K medallions left out there approximately, so there's 1,100 post-K medallions. Out of 1,100 post-K medallions, I'm thinking there's like 250 to 300 that might be gates, not gates and gas, be a color scheme right now. And my guess is that 90% of those people are in compliance. But if there's 10% that aren't, there's 30 or so running out there in violation. I agree we need to go after them, but why kill the whole goose because there's people in violation when this is a business alternative for these medallion holders that are being successful at it. Thank you. Good evening again, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone on behalf of Luxor Cab, and we will certainly have a lot more time to talk about this in a rule committee. But in just the brief two minutes, I mean, I would just observe that the commission has spent an inordinate amount of time in the last couple of years dealing with color schemes that were outrageously, flagrantly out of compliance with many rules. Those experiences reveal that the commission has inadequate tools for regulating color schemes. I think there's a couple of red herrings have been trotted out tonight. Despite the cover letter to this, there's nothing in this proposal restricting a color scheme to five cabs. Also, I think that possibly Commissioner Slaughter has a misunderstanding. There is no suggestion or desire to ever prevent a medallion holder from getting out of a bad color scheme. There's no restriction on changing out of color schemes. The restriction would be on changing into a color scheme that was out of compliance with laws. So if somebody felt that their color scheme was not up to snuff, they would certainly be able to abandon that ship. I mean, I think it's certainly high time to establish some standards. It's outrageous that customers to this day are dragged around town by cab drivers to take into ATMs because they won't cash credit cards. The customer rings up extra fares. This is for what? For the convenience of the cab driver. It is not for the convenience of the public. Actually, with 13 seconds left, I won't get into some of the other thornier issues regarding leases. I would just point out that in the last section of Section 6A allows long leases even for post-K medallions so long as they are responsibly operated. Thank you.
Good evening, Commissioners. And this rule and regulations is brought by Laxarcap. And Laxarcap thinking like the city is behind them because he have a few dollars. But the city is not on the positions to be the side of uh, one group and hurt the other groups. This kind of rule and regulations violating all the mostly of cab drivers. Commissioners, I, be, I don't want to in your city, on your department, to violating my rights. Commissioner, we've been in business for many, many years. We are, have our excellent regulation rules. In the time we apply from your city, we purchased this, uh, I mean, we got the medallion or hold the medallion. We're doing business, we're doing really fine. But this kind of story, like you cannot move from one color scheme to the other color scheme, or gas and gates, like uh, this staff is completely 100% will be uh, help the uh, big corporations and hurt the individuals based off that law and you will be hurt a lot of poor innocent cab drivers and you cannot move from one color scheme to the other color scheme because we put a rule and regulations. That means is you violating my rights. You cannot do that, commissioners. And also, is the Cape opposition give the individual a medallions, not for Laxar Cab or John Lazar. Whatever, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, this kind of regulations will be hand up in the court if you're willing to propose or prove it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, years ago, Energy companies got split up. Um, AT&T got divided into a few companies, and the public pretty much knows nobody is served by monopolized industries. If there's only one phone company that you can buy your phone service from, they will rip you off. We got here a proposal that favors heavily the two large companies, and I think we need some balance here. We should have come up with rules, enforce existing rules actually, that say companies need to provide off-street parking. Luxacap doesn't. So don't let them move there. Or have a rule that says don't let them become too big. We need small business in this town. So if you control one-third of the medallions in this city, you can get more. That would protect service in this city. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. It is amazing why this respected commission is going to stop long-term lease driving. If we stop this long-term lease driving, it means you will stop the thousands and thousands of drivers are hand-to-mouth problems. There are so many long-term lease drivers that are driving long-term lease cabs. If you stop this long-term lease driving, there will be big crowd, there will be big line all in the morning to get a cab. They should be, line, they should be in a line 3 o'clock in the morning, and they will get a cab after two hours waiting. And at the end of the shift, again, they will have to wait for two hours to pay the gate money to the cashier. 
they spend they will spend two hours in the morning, two hours in the end of the shift. It means they will spend four hours for nothing. Long-term lease, this is a kind of private property. They will take, uh, take care of their property. They will drive with extra careful, extra defensive driving. If they drive with extra care and defensive drive, it means it will be the public safety. Public safety is important in the taxi industry, so that it will be highly appreciated if you will continue this long-term lease. Thank you. Thank you. I take a couple of lessons from this. One is the importance uh, when crafting something like this of including many different voices because there's a bias even if it's unconscious if two people from the same company are, are putting these rules together, these proposed rules together. The other is the importance of sifting through these proposals at a more informal setting such as the Rules Committee. Um, one of the rules, for instance, uh, which is very controversial tonight, uh, involves the banning of long-term leasing. I think the problem we're facing is an abuse of long-term leasing, which must be addressed. And uh, it seems to me that, that this solution is kind of a, a sort of kill them all and let God sort them out solution. Uh, and we probably don't want to do that, but we definitely need to stay focused on something which I think is a, a cancer in the industry. Uh, and that I hope this commission devotes itself to the remediation of, and uh, that's the, the brokers. Uh, these people are, will uh, eventually kill the full-service companies if they're allowed to continue. Um, other things, uh, everybody's brought up everything that I want to talk about, and I really look forward to having that, this discussion in the more informal session. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Hello, Commissioners. My name is Bill Mountie. Um, in my opinion, the long-term leases are the worst thing that's happened to this industry since I've been driving because it's, it was originally pre-K medallions that could be long-term lease, but now it's post-K. Uh, how, how does the medallion holder do his shifts that he has to do with that medallion and then long-term lease it. I don't understand how that works. Number two, what Mr. Uh, uh, Benjamin said is absolutely right. These people are taking medallions and long-term leasing them at extra amounts of money. And it's happening now. I can tell you that. I know it's happening now. And nobody does anything about it. It's just like the limousines. Nobody cares. You know, there needs to be some laws made here, strict laws that make a difference and help the average driver instead of just helping the companies. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Hi, good evening, Commission. This is Mohammed Buya. So I don't think this is not a good idea to eliminate long-term lease because it's convenient for some people. And also I see, I've been driving three years, I see they have a much 
clean cab, they take care of their cab, except a few problems probably they do, like uh, sometimes they probably drive double shift. But otherwise, long-term lease is okay. Thank you. I have a lot of fun tonight. I would appreciate it. It was a great show. <laughs> I never <laughs> recall such a great show that I have today. So thank you for uh, having a good time here. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood. First of all, I'll appraise and appreciate Benjamin and Commissioner Breslin for their strong-minded opinions. They have been with the company. They have been against the companies. They are very clear. They are not puppets. They are not like what Paul Gillespie wants it will happen. They are not like that. Number two, whoever presents the suggestions, rules, we accept them. We want to talk about it. There is a proposal on the Charter Reform Committee making all ACARD as a medallion. That's such a ridiculous proposal by UTW. We want to talk about it. No problem. We will face it and we will answer that over there. Now coming to the next issues, let's go to the airport. There are three lots at the airport where the taxis are parked. I'm going to walk you with me. And in the middle lot, the central lot, let's say there are 100 cabs or more than 100, 150 cabs standing there. If you just go and look and like that, and you see there's a symbol, like a small taxi sign, mostly it's for the long-term lease people, not the ones which are gate and gas where they have advertising and stuff. You see, half of the cabs are with that sign. Why? Because driver feel comfortable that way. He don't want to go to the company and wait two to hours, get a spare cab, don't get a cab, get a shifts. So they're happy by paying like one lease, two drivers. One owner came to my house one time. He said, I live next to you, nearby. You drive 10 hours, another driver drive 10 hours, 20 hours, give me for four hours. And this way we will be three people on this medallion. So it makes sense. Instead of paying 3000 for 30 days to the company, I'll be paying like about $2,400, $2,500. So long-term lease is okay. As regard to managers, let this industry have any kind of managers. You are stopping the good managers and you are also stopping color scheme. Must be with a medallion owner. No. Let the investment come into the industry. Thank, Thank you. you. Anyone else like to speak? Okay, public comment is closed on this. Um, I appreciate all the comments. I'm sure Commissioner Benjamin appreciates all the comments. And part of the reason that he is here tonight is because Commissioner Benjamin doesn't sit on the Rules Committee and there is a conflict with him coming to those uh, meetings. So all these ideas are on the table now. And Vice President Breslin and I and Commissioner Onetto are going to consider them uh, at the Rules Committee, as most of you suggested here tonight, and I think is the proper way to go. So. Uh, that's our commitment. Would you like to add anything, Commissioner Breslin? No. Okay. Okay, next item. Line item 7, adjournment. Thank you. 8.50, please note. <laughs> Take a picture. <laughs> <laughs>